Good morning, Harlem. You know, some of us was feeling the spirit last night, doing the cha-cha slide and all that stuff. So I'm glad to see you made it here this morning. I don't know if it was as hard for you to get out of bed as it was for me. But I'm here, you're here, and that's all that matters, right? Amen. Well, let's go to God with the word of prayer. I appreciate the worship service thus far, and Charles uh, opening us up with the powerful prayer, and our brother Francisco, and also uh, Bob taking us to the foot of the cross. It's always good to be reminded of how far God brought us, because sometimes we can beat ourselves up. You know, especially we've been talking about choices uh, last week, and today we're going to conclude uh, this lesson on Lot, but I just want to encourage you, whatever decision you've made in the past does not have to determine who you will be in the future. Every choice we make daily adds to our character, it adds to our life, but it doesn't, your past does not have to define you, and there are many, many characters in the Bible that proves that point. You know, look what God did with Peter. Look what God did with, with, with uh, uh, Samson. I mean, good Lord, the man, he was jacked up from day one. But that was not who he was at the end of his life. At the end of his life, we find Samson praising God and worshiping God. So I just want to put that out there because I know sometimes we can come to church looking for encouragement and we can leave beat up. Because we realize, man, I'm a sinner, but look, like, 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 like Bob pointed out, yes, you are. Accept it. But at the end of the day, God loves you, and God does not want you to stay where you are because he has a plan to take you somewhere further, somewhere better. But we have to do our part, and that's making decisions with God at the center of it. Let's go to God with the word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, God, we are so grateful that we have your word and the principles found in your word to guide us, to lead us, that we also have a, a community of believers, a family of believers who uh, fight every day, who hold the Bible as their standard, who, who fight to make choices that please you and that it's in accordance to your will. And Father, I pray that you will help us to learn from Lot. God, that you'll help us to learn from the examples we see in the scriptures, uh, to avoid similar mis making similar mistakes. And God, we also pray that you'll give us the wisdom and discernment that we need as we go forward in life. Help us to be led by your, your spirit. Help us to be guided by your word. Bless this time. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now, if you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, last week we started... We started a story uh, looking at the story of a man named Lot. He was Abraham's nephew over in Genesis chapter 13. And we looked at a lot, we looked at some of the choices that he made and the detrimental impact that those choices had on his life and his family. And my first point was we are free to make our own choices, but we are not free to choose the consequences. You know, wouldn't that be easy? Like, you can go to McDonald's and say, you know what, give me five Big Mac meals. And you eat it and say, but I don't want all the calories. I just want the flavor. You know, I, I, my, my wife will tell you, I, I, when we stop at McDonald's, I get depressed after leaving McDonald's. I love their fries, though, man. I'm like, oh, there's something about it. It's like they just know. They're going to love this. 
You know, and sometimes you feel guilty and, you know, you just want what you want, but you don't want the consequences. You want to go shopping and Black Friday turns into a Black Friday because you're miserable. You just spent all your hard-earned money for gifts that people aren't going to appreciate. They're going to open it up. You know, what's more heartbreaking when your children open up the gift and be like, oh, okay, what's next? You're like, you know how long I stood online for that? Do you know how many women I had to wrestle to get that sweater, your size, your color? Or to get a gift for somebody and they return it or exchange it. Right? But we go out there, we get them sales, we start spending money, man. We think that, oh, that's a sale. And, and we go crazy. And come January, we're praying and asking God to help us out of debt. I mean, we want, we want to be able to, to do whatever we want, but you don't get to choose the consequences. But you get to choose the decisions and choices that we make. You know, we looked at a few of Lot's choices, such as, you know, Lot choosing not to consult God first before he chose where to live. You know, that was huge. And then we see in chapter 4, you know, Abraham started at the beginning of the chapter consulting God. He, he worshipped God. He started off pleasing God. He got himself in the right frame of mind. Uh, we also see that Lot chose with, uh, he, he chose, he made his decision with no consideration of others. He didn't consider that he was leaving his, his uncle in a hostile environment. He just wanted to go where the grass was greener. And he wanted to set him and his, and his family up as close to the city as possible because it looked like it had great opportunities. And he didn't think about, maybe we can work this thing out with our herdsmen. Maybe we can figure out a way to make this all work. But instead, he made a decision based on himself. And then we also see that Lot chose to isolate himself from God's people. He didn't choose to stay close to his uncle. In fact, he went further away from his uncle. And we had talked about the dangers of isolating ourselves from the body. And then we looked at a few choices that you know, we can often make that greatly affect our lives, such as choosing to follow Jesus. That's never a bad decision. Choosing your career or where you work. You know, these are things that can impact our lives and our family. Choosing your mate and who you date can also have an impact on your life and on your family, especially in the, in the time of blended families. You know, we, we can't, uh, we can't uh, ignore the impact that our decisions are going to have on our children. And then also choosing our friends, who we choose to spend most of our time with. You know, you become who you surround yourself with. And, and that's just, that's, that's fact, but it's also scripture. You know, the first Corinthians 13 says, 15.33 says that we, we, you know, bad company corrupts good character. So what does good company do? It helps good character, helps foster good character, right? So if bad company corrupts good character, then I'm going to stay away from bad company. And so today, I want to pick up where we left off. We were leaving off talking about choosing where we live. Now, I know for some of us, we may feel like we have really no choice in this matter because, you know, not for nothing, it's, you know, Harlem is becoming very expensive, a very expensive place to live. And when you look at your budget and you look at your bank account and then you look at how much rent is and, and all your utilities and all the other things that you have to pay, you may be forced to make a decision to leave your place. But even that decision, we got to take to God. 
We can't just make a decision, a life decision like that, based on fear alone. We got to be wise about where we choose to live. It was in this choice that Lot made his mistake. Where am I going to plant my feet? Where am I going to set up my family to live? That was huge. And for a few reasons, you know, Lot, the choice was bad because Lot didn't consider the temptation and the influence these people would have on his family or on himself. You know, when you isolate yourself from the body and you set yourself up closer towards temptation, you really, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Because we see in the scriptures, it was Abraham who had to come rescue Lot when he was caught up in all the nonsense that was going on with the people. And so it would make sense to stay closer to where help is. But he chose to go where he felt the grass was greener. You know, there are some modern-day Sodoms and Gomorrah. And where we choose to live will have a very, it will have an impact on our family for good or for bad. But we don't have to make uninformed decisions. See, Lot made this decision because of what he saw, what he had hoped for. He thought that he could go, and he thought that the plains were green, and he saw all the opportunities that were made, that were possible. There were no promises. These were all speculation. These were all assumptions. And so we never truly know what will happen when we move and when we live? You know, we think about sometimes what's affordable or what's up and coming, what's attractive. And these things should never be the only reasons we choose to live where we live. We also have to consider, is there a church near there? How strong is the church? If you have kids of college age, you need to ask yourself, is there a campus ministry there? You see, we got to understand that the church is an extension of our family. If I'm sending my children to college, I want them to go somewhere where we have family, where they feel safe. Because then I can go to that church, I can visit the church, and I can say, hey, I'm a disciple in New York City Church. Hey, bro, and you know how it is. We hug and we, we, we talk like we've known each other for years. Because the common thing we have is Jesus Christ. That's a bond that no one can break. It's strong. It's powerful. So I'm not going to send my children and give my children over to a stranger. You don't do that here. We do all sorts of investigation. When we, when we drop our kids off, daycares, and then we, we want to see resumes, we want to see credentials. We're on Google. We're, I want to know what's going on. We're checking Facebook pages. We want to know who we're leaving our children with because they're the most precious thing to us. So when they're going off to college, you can't stop. Don't just hand them over because you're getting more money from the school you got to do your due diligence. Do we have family over there? Because, look, they can get a free ride to college. They can also get a free ride you know, you know where else. 
Look, at the end of the day, amen, we want education. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in education. But I want salvation first. And if my children can have a better opportunity being in the place where we may have to come out of our pockets, but yet there's a strong family there, I'll choose that. And I'll trust God with the rest. Lot made a choice. He made a choice based on very superficial reasons. He didn't consider how dangerous Sodom and Gomorrah was. He underestimated the power of the temptation in that place. And you see, we got to make sure that we are making wise decisions because it will impact our families. It will have a cost that not every one of us can count. We got to think about these decisions. And so we can avoid a lot of these consequences if we choose to do. My second and final point is making choices to, lead, to listen to God's voice. You make a choice to listen to God's voice. You know, oftentimes, we hear all sorts of voices in our head, right? Doesn't mean you're crazy. It's just that, you, you know, you just hear all sorts of voices. You know, eat here. Go there. Wear that. Don't wear that. Buy this. Buy that. You know, we, we hear all sorts of because we got choices to make every day. And so there's a voice that should drown out every other voice in our minds. And that should be the, word, and that should be the voice of God. And it's not always clear. Let me just be clear on that. It's not always clear sometimes what God's will is. Sometimes you need to wrestle to get the answer that you need. Jesus prayed for how long? Three hours. And I, it wasn't that he didn't know what God's will was. He was wrestling to make his will God's will. He knew that God wanted him to die on the cross. He knew why he was, that was very clear. But his heart, he was still human. He was terrified of what laid before him, and he wrestled for three hours. How much time do you spend wrestling with God on big decisions? I think sometimes we pray or we ask someone to pray for us, and then that's it. All right, I'm going to make my decision. We need to, life, especially big life choices like this. You know, emotions can be very persuasive. And sometimes the worst time to make a decision is when we're emotional. Going shopping while you're hungry. Bad decision. I was in a supermarket the other day, and I forgot to eat. And there's a place up where we live called Stu Leonard's. I'm throwing stuff in that shopping cart. I'm putting stuff in there I know I don't eat. But I was so hungry, I'm like, I'm putting quino in there and, you know, that's queen, you know, quinoa, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm throwing stuff in there just like, because you're planning, and I'm like, I know I'm not going to cook this, but I was just hungry. And then you walk, and see, the way they, they, the way they have it set up, it's not like a regular supermarket where you, you know, many aisles, they have this one aisle. 
It's like a little maze, and they just walk you through everything. The fruit are right there. You know, I mean, the bakery is ridiculous. You walk in through, it smells. Then they cook food, then the seafood. I'm staring at this lobster, this lobster sand. I'm thinking, bro, you, don't, you, you know, come on, you can't pay $15 for a sandwich. So, you know, I'm like walking, but, you, you know, that's the wrong time to go shopping. It's when you're hungry. And then I left there, I went in there for milk. My wife asked me to bring milk. I went in there for a half a gallon of milk, and I walk out with a whole bunch of, a whole bag. I went there with two bags of groceries. That's the wrong time to go grocery shopping. It's also the wrong time when you're feeling lonely to make a decision about a relationship. And sometimes, you know, when we're really lonely, our emotions can get the better of us. It's not wrong having a mate. It's not wrong uh, making a decision about someone, but we got to be careful about when we make those decisions. Because when you're, when you're lonely, and it's just like with lots, sometimes it looks good, but if you don't do your homework, if you don't let God help you out, you can make a bad choice. Now, We'll talk about that later because I think God has, a good, has some encouragement for us even when we find out we've made a bad choice. You know, we feel good about decisions that we, we tend to assume is God's choice as well. And oftentimes when we make gut feelings, it's really just you want something really bad. I, you know, my gut, I just feel like this 60-inch TV, I, I just think that... In my gut, if I don't get it now, it's not, the sale's not going to be here anymore. You know, and, and we make these gut feelings, and it's, that's all it is. <laughs> it's in your gut. God doesn't live in your gut. <laughs> I have not seen any scripture where it says, trust your gut, and the Lord will prove himself faithful. Every decision Jesus made, you see him pointing back to scripture. Jesus wanted to be led by God. You know, some decisions are clearly spelled out in scriptures, such as following Christ. But then there are decisions we make that's not necessarily pointed out in scripture. It points us to the principle, but it doesn't tell you where to live. But it does give us principles on how to make a, a wise decision. And so, you know, some, some are not just clearly spelled out, but we got to think about, okay, well, it's not telling me whether I should live on Broadway or Fifth Avenue. So then you got to think about, well, what are the principles here? Which is going to make me most effective for God? What can I honestly afford? You know, the Bible talks about things, keeping within your budget, even with our contribution. The Bible's very good. Some, you know, some of us have great hearts, and we want to give. That's just who we are. But you've got to be wise about even when you're giving. If you're going to take and give all your money to the church, but you're not paying your other bills, that's not wise. It's not wise. And so we've got to think about what's guiding our decisions. And so I have a few guiding principles and some corresponding scriptures that I would like to look at together today to help us in our decision making. Is that all right? So let's look at some, some decision guiding principles. Number one, when you're making a decision, start with the attitude of pleasing God first. 
If you set yourself up with the attitude that I want to please God with this decision, it will help guide you in the right direction. Everything else will start to fall into place. But if you, like Lot, decide me first, then everything is going to go according. Your body follows the head. And all the decisions you make are starts right here. Your heart follows this. So if you decide, I want this, your heart is going to become convinced. It's going to follow your decisions, your choice, your attitude. And so if the head is going this way, then the body is going to follow that way. So you've got to make sure we start off with putting ourselves in the right frame of mind, putting ourselves with the right attitude. In Matthew chapter 6, let's look at that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This always helps me when I'm making a decision, especially life decisions. I want to make sure that I'm in the right frame of mind. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be made, will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Focus on pleasing God. Are you willing to do what God wants no matter what? Does your plans fit into God's plans? These are questions we got to ask ourselves. Thinking this way keeps us in a humble, humble attitude because we deeply desire to please God. Amen? The second thing is prayer. In James chapter 1, let's look over at James chapter 1. You know, I appreciate the example that, that Abraham said. You look, Abraham was not perfect. Abraham was not a perfect man, but he, he knew that he needed to look at God before he made these life decisions. In James chapter 1, in verse 5, It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You know, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. You know, what I appreciate about the scripture is that God does not, he does not uh, judge who he gives wisdom to and who he doesn't. It says that whoever asks, he gives without finding fault. That means you can be doing the best spiritually or the worst spiritually, and God will still give you wisdom. I think even when we're doing bad spiritually, we need the most wisdom. And so God will absolutely be there to say, hey, I can help you out of that situation. Or hey, I can help you avoid this situation. So God gives us wisdom. All we got to do is ask. God, give me wisdom with this situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. You know, my wife and I, you know how we ended up in Yonkers? Because I prayed. We wanted to stay in Harlem. We prayed about it. God made it very clear. Uh-uh. I'm thinking, you want to stay in Harlem? So we looked in the Bronx. 
all over the place. God made it clear. Uh-uh. So I started to get discouraged. And I prayed, I said, God, you got to give us wisdom here. Where do you want us to live? And I go to midweek, and there's a brother who just bought a building. And that's how we ended up in Yonkers. I had no idea what Yonkers was. I have no reason to move to Yonkers. There is nothing about Yonkers that attracts me to Yonkers. But we ended up in a place that God needed us to be for us to get the best spiritual help at the time that we needed. But we had to pray for wisdom. Sometimes God takes you to a place you were not planning to go. That's what he did with Abraham. Abraham took his old family, and God said, go that way. And he went that way and landed in Canaan. See, sometimes we think we're smart enough to know what's best for us. But God knows what's best. God knows what's best. And we have to pray and ask God for wisdom. Sometimes we may feel a little overwhelmed. James, my situation is critical. My situation is not like anybody else's. No one else can relate to me. Look over in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 6. That's what the Bible says. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It says, do not be anxious about some things. No. Do not be anxious about your children. That's not what he says. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything. But with prayer and petition. That means you keep going to God. With prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. I think sometimes God waits to take us from one place to the next because he wants us to be grateful for what he already brought us. And so if we're grateful, God, I thank you for taking care of me thus far. But my situation is critical right now, and I need you to take me even further. But when we're complaining about where we're at, when we're ungrateful for what God has already done in our lives, he's thinking, why should I give you something better when you're not grateful for what you already have? You see, when we pray, prayer reminds us of what God done in our lives how far God has already brought us. And so when we can approach God trusting that God is going to take care of us, God, I thank you for the job that I have. You know what? I, could, I, I really could appreciate a different boss, but you know what? Despite all that, I'm grateful that I get to pay my bills, that I get to put food on the table. But Lord, my situation right now, I need a different, I need a different environment. Can you help a brother out? And God will look at that and say, you know what? Amen. And he'll take us. But if you go, Lord, you already know. And all you're doing is complaining and griping and complaining. And God is sitting there thinking, you know what? Why? Why should I give you something better? So you can complain about that? So you can gripe about that? Wasn't that what happened in Israel when God took them out of slavery? 
What did they say? We want to go back. At least we sat around pots of meat. You brought us out here to die and burn up in the, in the desert. God had meat fall from the sky. Bread. Did it never happen before? Miracles. God had it happen. Out of the sky. Hit a rock and water came out of it. I mean, good Lord. What else does he got to do? They complain every step of the way. And God said, you know what? Y'all not going anywhere. You're going to die right here in this desert, and I'm going to take your grateful kids who don't know anything about what y'all just said, and I'm going to have them go into the promised land. And he had them walk around in a circle. Kept bringing them back to the same place for 40 years. You want to get out of your situation? Start with gratitude. And prayer takes us there. Prayer takes us back to that place. God, I am grateful, and I need wisdom right now. And you will receive God's favor. Thirdly, the word. We need scriptures that will help us make wise decisions. Now, you need to be honest. If you don't know where scripture is that can help you in your situation, ask somebody. Hey, bro, do you know a scripture that can help me with this. Sister, do you know a scripture that can help me with this? Just ask. Ask. Is someone, there's someone here, you know, Raul Harvey loves the Bible. He's always talking to me about a book. I'm like, bro, please. He's always talking, bro, I'm reading this, bro, bro, I'm reading this, bro, bro, I'm doing But he loves the word. So I know if I need a scripture, I can go to Raul, because Raul's always reading something. He's always reading something spiritual. He's always, but he loves, we have people here that's like this. I mean, our, our, our youth and family leader, Gene Laguerre, he has the young kids going through Bible boot camp. Bible boot camp. I mean, these kids are memorizing scriptures. They're reading scriptures. They're quoting scriptures. There are people here that can help you. All we got to do is ask. You see, there are scriptures... I, there was a situation that happened when I was a young Christian. And I just did not know what to do. It was a good friend of mine who made a bad business deal. And it, it literally fell apart. And I had been involved in a car accident prior to becoming a disciple and finally got the settlement. And she knew about it because, you know, she was my friend through the whole situation. And then, you know, so this business deal falls through. She calls me up and says, I'm in a, I'm in a bad situation. I put my house up. I put my car up to go on with this, this uh, partner of mine, and he robbed me blind. Can you give me the money from your settlement so that I can get back on my feet? So you can imagine the position I was in. Now, I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I, she's my friend. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want her to be, you know, in this situation. But I also have other financial responsibilities. So what do I do with that? And I remember going to a brother and telling him the situation. And this is a scripture he shared with me over in Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22, starting in verse 26. It says, Do not be a man who strikes hands in a pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. 
It couldn't get any clearer than that. And, you know, and yet still it was hard to tell my friend, you know, I feel really bad, but since I'm living by the Bible now, the scriptures are calling me to not do this. And look, that's hard. I'm not saying practicing these things are going to be easy, but they are what's best. And let me tell you, she figured it out. She worked it out. And so did I. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, my conscience was clear because I'm like, look, I'm practicing the scripture. Now, my feelings were a little jacked up, but at the same time, I'm thinking, you know what, though? I'm pleasing God, and that's, that's where my life is. That's not where her life was at. And so you may find yourself in situations where you have got to make a choice, but if you start with... All right, I'm, I'm, I'm living to please God. I'm praying for wisdom. And here I have scriptures that are guiding me to making the right choices. Because oftentimes, people will play on your emotions. And before you know it, you've co-signed on somebody's car. You've co-signed on somebody's loan. You've co-signed for some... And then you find yourself owning a car that you didn't need or want. Or some loan added to your own personal debt. These scriptures are there for a reason. To guide us. To lead us. To make your wise choices. It was hard, but at the end of the day, I'm pleasing God. You know, my wife and I live by this principle to this very day. We don't co-sign loans for anybody. And it's not that I don't love you. I, I, matter of fact, I actually start off by saying I love you. But... Yeah, we don't, we don't co-sign for anyone. And it's not that I don't trust that you're, you know, you're not, you're not going to, you probably will, but there's always that but right there. If you don't, I got to take on that, and I can't do that. I can't do that. If you're standing on the scriptures, hey, God is pleased, and at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. And lastly, the counsel of others. You know, in Proverbs chapter 11, Proverbs 11, verse 14, says, For a lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Look over in chapter 20, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. Proverbs 20, verse 5. says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. And then lastly, verse 18, Proverbs 20, verse 18. It says, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. You know, discussing our choices with older, mature Christians, people who've kind of been around the block, is the wise thing to do. It doesn't take away your power to make your own decision. You're just getting advice. You're just, at the end of the day, you have to make the choice because it's you're the one who's going to have to live with the choice. And look, honestly, 
But there have been times where I've gotten advice and I didn't agree with the advice I was given and I made a choice and everything was fine. It's just that it was a different opinion. It wasn't like you have to do this, right? But then there were times where I approached getting advice, but my mind already made up what I was going to do. But just for the sake of saying I got advice, I went, I did it, didn't follow the advice, and for years I was paying for the I was paying the consequences for that decision. And look, here's the at the end of the day, when you talk to people who know the Bible, if you're living by the Bible, then I start off with talking to people who I know know the Bible that can help me make spiritual decisions. Now that doesn't mean that someone outside of our church can't help us make a smart decision. There are people wise enough to know, look, I, I've been there, done that. That doesn't sound like a good thing to do. But my wife and I, we make it a rule that if more people go this way and we're still trying to go that way, then maybe God is talking to us. Because, I mean, think about it. We, we go outside and we see a car accident. There's going to be 300 different opinions on what color the car was how fast it was going, whose fault it was. It would be a miraculous thing if everybody agreed on the one thing. And so if more people are saying this, then we got to stop and think, okay, is this God? Because everybody's saying I should do this. We got to stop and think. Is God speaking to me, or am I so set on doing this one thing that I'm drowning out everybody else? You know, advice is given because people love you and they want to make sure you're making wise choices. At the end of the day, when, I, when someone asks me for advice, the first thing I do is ask, do you want my honest opinion? Because if you don't want my honest opinion, then we probably shouldn't keep talking. Let's talk about the Knicks. <laughs> Serious. Because I'm going to give you my honest opinion. At the end of the day, it's just my opinion. Okay? Now, if I'm showing scripture, which is what I like to do, then I'm, I'm, really, I'm really seeing the potential of something going terribly wrong here. Or the potential of something going awesome. If you ask me, bro, should I get a Honda, a Toyota, or a Ford, then that's just my opinion. Okay? That's subjective. That's just my opinion. But if you're asking a spiritual, a question that relates to your life spiritually, then whoever you go to should be guiding you spiritually. Otherwise, it's just an opinion. We need to get back into the habit of opening up the Bible with each other. Pointing people back to the, making this, making, now if you don't know, then just say, you know what? Maybe you should talk to someone else, because I really don't know. That's being humble. If you don't, if someone comes in and asks you for directions, you don't know, don't tell them, uh, go left. 
that's just, you know, that's wrong. So if someone is coming to you for spiritual advice, bearing their souls before you, if you don't know how to lead them spiritually, then just point them in the, in the direction to someone who can. What I love about Jesus is that Jesus often says, it is written. It was said. Scripture was always on his heart. Always it was in him. It, he was the living word. And that's the type of church he wants us to be. A church that doesn't just get advice for the sake of advice, but a church who really, deeply, passionately want to please God. If we ask for guidance and the majority agrees and people are sharing scripture, people are, are praying for you, people are, then you've got to look at this and think, well, maybe God is saying something here. And maybe I need to just stop and listen. See, at the end of the day, we have to do whatever we do for the sake of the Lord. Isn't that what the Bible says? Whatever you do, do it for the sake of the Lord. So, James, all right, what should I do once I realize I may have made a choice that wasn't the best choice? I think there's some things that Lot did that we could glean some, some, some insight from, and it can really help us. The first thing, you notice what Lot did in Genesis 19, verse 16, is he heeded the word of the Lord. When the angels came and told him to leave, he hesitated for a minute, but then he left. He got out of there. You know, I think God has been speaking to some of us in our current situations, maybe at work, maybe where you live, and you're living in misery. It says that, you know, uh, uh, Peter said that Lot was tormented where he lived. He was tormented in his soul for living where he lived. Maybe God is saying, you need to leave. You need to move. And you're hesitating. But God has got another place set up for you. We've got to pray, ask God for wisdom, get advice, look in the word, and then make our decision. But I believe that God wants to take us to a place that's safe and a place where we can worship him. Do what is right without hesitation. Lot's wife looked back in verse 26. She looked back on her decision and turned into a pillow of salt. Once you make a decision, you've got to go wholehearted with it. Don't start looking back. It's too late now. But you can move forward in the grace of God. Secondly, do what Peter did after he denied Christ. John 21, verses 15 through 17. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus called Peter to repentance. If there's sin involved in your choice, be humble, confess, repent, and move forward. No one here can judge you. We've all made bad choices. We've all had to deal with consequences. No one should come to church fearing that they're going to be judged because they made a bad decision. In fact, we should come and look. We got to be honest and we got to help each other. But at the end of the day, nobody can hold a, hold a book up to you and say, get out of here. You made a bad decision. Who can do that? I can't do that. The only one who has the authority to do that is in heaven. And there will be a day where we'll have to answer. But at the end of the day, we've all made decisions that we can look back and say, man, that was a bad decision. That was a bad decision. But... 
I mean, not, not a single person here can cast a stone on anyone for making a bad choice. But here's the thing. Don't let that decision keep you from being connected to everyone else. Fear of judgment, that's one of Satan's tools on how he distanced us from the rest of the body. Imagine if Lot was so overwhelmed with the decision he made, looking back on his life, how things, my, my wife turned into a pile of salt, my daughters got so desperate that they, they got me drunk and, 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 you know, and, and had, you know, it was incest. I mean, they just, it just snowballed out of, a, out of, out of, out of control. He could have looked back on his life and fallen apart and just walked away totally depressed and miserable. But he didn't do that because he knew God was gracious. And when you make a decision that you think is, has, has, you know, that was a wrong decision, Peter had the courage to go back to Jesus and reinstate his relationship with the Lord. Get things resolved with God. God is gracious. No one can judge you for making a bad decision. Lastly, do what Paul did after he persecuted the church. Of anybody, imagine that. Imagine someone coming to church, or you, you read about some guy persecuting our church. The Harlem region is blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, just posted all sorts of stuff on Facebook, Twitter. And then we get up and announce he's your brother in Christ at midweek. Some of us might be like, no, he ain't. No, no, he ain't. Now, let me put this out there. I think we tend to be more gracious towards our brothers and sisters who aren't full-time in the ministry than we are with leaders who blow it. And I say that because Paul was a leader. He led the rebellion against the church. We think that leaders should know better. We think that we put, and, and, and you know, to some extent, we put leaders on these, these pedestals that God doesn't. We have expectation on our leaders that God doesn't put on them. So when they hurt us, or when they make a decision that affects us, We're not as quick to forgive because we think they should know better. And so if Paul was an ex-ministry staff person, we'd probably be like, I don't know. I don't want him preaching to me. But if he wasn't, well, then he's just like us. I say that because I've been there. And I've had to forgive those who were over me. I've had to let things go because they're not perfect. They're not perfect. And sometimes when people make decisions who are, who are set up to help us, you know, parents, think about the time you've blown it with your kids. Would you want them to forgive you or hold that grudge against you for the rest of their lives? Your kids should say, you should know better, Mom. Daddy, you should know better. You're my parent. You should have made a better choice. You should have made smarter decisions. So if we're not like that, 
we don't want that with our children. We, got, we can't be like that with each other. And the same thing goes for leaders who are hurt. We have feelings too, but we're one body. And we got to learn to work together. We got to learn to forgive. And that's a deeper love. So when I look at what Paul did and how the churches at first, they were afraid. We don't want this guy here. It took a supernatural love like the one that Jesus showed Peter to show the church, this guy I'm going to use. And we got to get behind him. See, God is calling us to be deeply spiritual. Deeply spiritual. And that means that we can't let anything stand between us. So accepting forgiveness is one thing, but then exercising forgiveness is another thing. We got to make sure that we're forgiven, we're quick to forgive, that we seek to work out, we seek to be peacemakers than we do to stand by and stand, on our, stand our ground and, and, and guard our hearts. No, the Bible calls us to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes the wrong choices brings us to the right places. And that's to the foot of the cross. We make decisions sometimes. We hurt each other. We hurt others. And it's not always clear. It's not always made known to us right away. But you have a choice. Either I'm going to let this fester or I'm going to love my brother. I'm going to love my sister. We're going to deal with this. We're going to move past this and we're going to give glory to God. That pleases God. A place of brokenness and a place of repentance is where God wants us to be so that he can do great things. Lastly, you know, in conclusion, don't make your choices lightly. Our choices will impact somebody. They will impact. I don't want you to make choices out of fear. Fear of being judged. Fear of being ridiculed. Fear of being singled out. Fear of being labeled. No, make your choices because you want to please God. And God will guide you every step of the way. Remember Lot, the next time you're faced with an important decision, seek to make the decision based on what the Lord is calling you to do. And God will be glorified when we make our choices going forward. To God be the glory.